Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen. For those of you who are new to Radio Islam, welcome. We're a live call and talk show broadcasting from Chicago on WCEV 1450 AM. And you can hear our live stream at www.wcev1450.com. Uh, you can also listen to us on the TuneIn app at WCEV. If you haven't already done so, keep up with us on social media by following and liking us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. If you have a comment or question you'd like to pose throughout the course of tonight's show, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 312-750-1178. 312-750-1178. Radio Islam family, it is 2018. We're in our first week of a new year. Uh, we've got some new things in store for you. So before we get into tonight's show, just want to remind you about one of those new things. Uh, and that is Radio Islam's book club, A Novel Idea. Right? I hope you like that name, A Novel Idea. We kicked it around for a minute. But uh, the important thing is we're going to be reading a new book each month and having an in-studio group discussion at the end of that month. And we're going to start off our reading list with the autobiography of Malcolm X as told to Alex Haley. Now, there's a link to the book on our Facebook page where you can purchase it, uh, or you can just go right to Amazon yourself. Uh, but we try to make things easy for you to plug in and, and, uh, and, and join into the discussion. So our in-studio discussion will be Friday, January 26th. So if you're reading along with us, we'd love to hear from you during that discussion. Now, as you heard uh, in the news brief uh, given by Ibrahim, uh, Washington has confirmed that uh, they're suspending, the United States is suspending $255 million of military aid to Pakistan. And, uh, I'm sorry, lost my train of thought, right? How embarrassing. Uh, but the U.S. Pre uh, US Press Secretary, uh, Sarah Sanders, uh, said that the actions being taken against Islamabad are a follow-up to Donald Trump's South Asia policy announced last year. So not everybody, when we, you know, it's it can be taxing enough to keep abreast of the local and national politics. But when we get into the geopolitics, uh, looking at uh, the political um, relations throughout the world uh, and seeing how nations uh, uh, ally themselves and uh, how economic interests converge uh, and they play themselves out uh, in military action, uh, these are things that can get quite, uh, they can, they can, uh, you can you can find yourself in muddy waters, so it's it's always good that we can talk with with experts. We can talk with folks uh, who have the necessary uh, knowledge and experience to help us kind of uh, unpack some of these big ideas and understand how these things uh, affect us, but also you know how they are being played out on the on the global on a global scale. So there are a lot of actors that are involved uh, with this. Uh, we, you know, we're going to talk about uh, China. We'll be looking at uh, relationships uh, with, with India, uh, Pakistan, of course, uh, the, the, the country that has been called out uh, in a series of tweets by our president. And we're going to be talking with, to help us do that, we're going to be talking with uh, Junaid uh, Ahmed. 
Uh, he's a director of the Center for Middle Eastern Politics and is an assistant professor at the University of Lahore in Pakistan. Uh, and he's also the Secretary General. He's also the Secretary General of the International Movement for a Just World. Okay, it looks like we might have had some difficulty um, getting him on the line. So, with that, I'm going to uh, I, I'm going to bring us. I'm going to start us off uh, with 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 this uh, thing to think about. Now, there are there are some folks who are contending that the United States uh, influence. Uh, is beginning to wane, uh, in particular within the uh, South South Asian uh, region, uh, and its financial. I'm sorry, not its its um, its foreign policy. Now is a is a reflection of that. And what do I mean by that? What I mean is, if we followed uh, the situation, if we followed the situation in Syria, uh, and looked at how that has resolved itself. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's not resolved by any means, right? But for those of us who have followed it, we've noticed that the United States has not been the actor that we would have expected uh, of a world leader, of someone who has looked to uh, assert itself, assert itself in, in terms of its uh, presence uh, in the Middle East, uh, being one that uses the, kind of dangles the carrot, um, the financial carrot, uh, investment as far as infrastructure uh, to... Uh, to make uh, governments there, you know, amenable to its interests, you know, whether it be opening up uh, its doors for exports, uh, allowing it uh, land uh, rights, uh, mining, things of that nature. Um, um, the United States was noticeably absent in terms of how, uh, in, as far as the discussion uh, about Syria uh, has gone forward. And the main, the main uh, actors uh, has, been, has been Russia. So that being said, um, some are asserting that in light of China's uh, continuing emergence uh, in, its, in its global uh, investment, investments in Africa, uh, investments particularly, you know, as we mentioned, we're talking about Pakistan, uh, China and Pakistan, they signed a, I think this was in, in 2015, Pakistan and China signed an agreement to commence work on uh, it's a $46, $46 billion agreement, uh, which is reported that it's roughly 20% of Pakistan's annual GDP, uh, with approximately $28 billion of that, which was fast-tracked, uh, calling them early harvest projects. And these are supposed to be developed by the end of 2018. Now, what is interesting uh, about that is that as China, as, as China asserts itself more within... Uh, as a support for, nat for nations in, uh, in the South Asian region uh, within Africa, it also opens itself up. It obviously that that investment comes with a uh, the result. It comes with a voice. It comes with uh, a, a voice, and it comes with a position that's given. That they they become first in line. Uh, they become the go-to uh, government. They become the patron, if you will. Uh, or, or that that ear that the, or the, the the country that's listened to or sought out uh, before any major moves are made. If you paid attention to uh, recently, I believe it was in uh, Zimbabwe, before the ouster of longtime, um, uh, you know, if you will, dictator President uh, Mugabe, um, it was said that they went to 
directly to Beijing to make sure that they were, were good with the direction that they were moving in. So that comes, that comes with money. So what is going to be the situation? What, what are the dynamics that are being set up right now with, the, uh, with China's investments, substantial investments that it's making uh, in the infrastructure uh, of Pakistan and, and the United States' response to that? So the United States is responding by trying to position itself, or now it's trying to, uh, it's deepening uh, its relationship with India and looking to turn India into the point, uh, point person, a point nation, if you will, in its, uh, as its proxy, and it deals with uh, the, the Taliban and, and dealing with bringing security about uh, within Afghanistan, um, as being the nation that's going to take on the take the charge of shoring up the border, which by most uh, estimates, well, I shouldn't say most estimates, most. Uh, people that that talk that are familiar with the region, uh, they are quick to tell you that the the border is described uh, pretty much as porous. This relationship that continues to develop and build along uh, between the United States uh, and India, and once again, it's 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 important to to remember that we're talking we're talking about nuclear powers, uh, India, Pakistan, China. These are all. Uh, nuclear powers. The United States, these are all nuclear powers. And as these relationships, uh, as, as, as there's tension that's brought about uh, and allegiances shift, uh, this is something that everybody is, is constantly, uh, constantly aware of. So India's been put in a position now where they are looking to, I don't know if they're looking to or not, but the, the mantle is, is being placed on them. Uh, and, and as far as the United States is concerned, um, and what's going to follow from from the, the the research and from as I listen, what's going to follow is going to be a huge spike in uh, in defense spending. Well, not necessarily defense defense spending, but uh, in, in in armaments. So the the military industrial complex uh, the uh, the, those companies, you know, like uh, Lockheed Martin and, uh, and and others, that take up a big bulk of the United States uh, defense spending, uh, they are looking at this position and they see they see nothing but profit. Uh, they see nothing but profit in store for them. Uh, they see and they they predict that this type of tension that exists in the region is going to allow them. To uh, to make you know to make vast sums of money and selling uh, and selling weapons to India, uh, and which in turn would also would also translate uh, in, in greater arms sales in in Pakistan and all throughout the region. So this is a this is an interesting point uh, that we're at, and I was really looking forward. I was I was looking forward for you all, the Radio Sound family, to to hear from. Uh, to hear from Janae, to to just give us a sense of of how this all how this all plays out, and really to put this in a in a larger uh, to give us a, a more of a, a, a historical framework to see that this is not something that just happened, but this really is this is the result of uh, in, in big part in big part this is a result of of, of China's increased investment, their increased activity, and their continued rise as a uh, as a global economic 
uh, power, uh, and that plays out in in who gets called to the pay, uh, to the table to resolve disputes, um, who supports what government, uh, who you know, and this is. You know, this this is, you know, I guess it's politics, you know, it's one-on-one. You know, it comes with money. It's the carrot or the stick. And right now, President Trump uh, seems to be trying to use the stick with Pakistan, but this may not work out in the way that um, that he thinks it will. Because as he is, as he's accusing Pakistan of harboring uh, terrorists, har- harboring uh, uh, Taliban, um, but also at the same time praising them for past efforts that they've done to bring security uh, to the region for for uh, taking point on security uh, missions and you know things of that, uh, that nature um, he is he is negating he is not really paying attention to that number that I mentioned earlier he said Pakistan has uh, in China they have a, a you know they've embarked on a 46 billion, 46 billion dollar agreement and this year uh, some of those projects, quite well, $28 billion worth of those projects are supposed to be finished, which means the, the logical thought is that that China, with that investment, they're going to definitely be looking for, uh, for some security uh, with, uh, for some security and some assurances from Pakistan that are going to allow uh, the, the infrastructure and the investment uh, that, that is to come because they're just, they're just laying the groundwork right now. So it's it's going to be interesting uh, to see. Hopefully, we're go- we're going to be able to get uh, if not get Janaid in, but if we're not able to get him get him in, then uh, hopefully we'll be able to get somebody in who is really intimately uh, familiar with all of the uh, with all of the goings on uh, and has been following this uh, for a while. It will be it will be interesting. It's something that we will be will be looking at. We'll be following. Uh, but what we're going to do right now, folks. We're going to go ahead and take a short break. And we'll be back, and we'll we'll continue our conversation. Oh, I'll tell you right now. Uh, in our second half of the show today, we've got Zara J. She's a uh, matchmaker, founder of a, a Muslim matchmaking site called the Black Muslim Single Society. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a minute. traffic had stopped. Pedestrians were lying on sidewalks and curled up in doorways. There was no sign of violence, no wrecks, nothing like that. It was as if the people in New York had simply decided to stop whatever they were doing and pass out. Ice coated my stomach. The invasion has started. To find out what happens next, read Percy Jackson and the Olympians by Rick Reardon. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library. And visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, one in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, one in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 88. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. 
Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listeners. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Assalamu alaikum. Pray the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome back to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq el If you haven't already done so, folks, make sure that you are liking and following us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at the same username, at Radio Islam USA. That is at Radio Islam USA. Now, there is... You know, as we say, there is, we live in interesting times. There's a saying that says, may you live in interesting times. And we certainly do find ourselves. And I guess that could be, that's probably true for any time you find yourself in, particularly uh, here in the United States of America. But we're going to take it and we're going to scale down a little bit. We're just going to talk about some of the interesting things real quick uh, before we get into our next uh, segment with Zara, with, uh, Zara J. We're going to talk about some of the new things that we have in store for you in 2018. I mentioned at the outset about the uh, book club, A Novel Idea, uh, and we are reading, as I said, the autobiography of Alex Haley. As I'm sorry, the autobiography of Malcolm X <laughs> as told to Alex Haley. Uh, so that's, that's one thing. The other thing that we have, uh, well, and we'll be having, uh, that's going to happen, that discussion in-studio discussion will be January 26th at um, 6 p.m., right? So the next thing that we're going to do is that we're going to have, oh, we're going to have a new, the happiness, our happiness uh, segment, and that's going to be with Dr. Z, uh, and he is a performance specialist, and we're going to be having a a weekly segment that we're going to be doing with him, and the what is the other thing? Oh, we're going to be having movies, movies with the two bubs. Well, movies with Bubba Murray. Uh, so movie talk. And actually, we've got our first episode of movie talk scheduled for tomorrow night. So those uh, Friday nights, we're trying to figure out what you're going to watch. Uh, you're, going to, you're just thinking about going home and, and cutting on Netflix. We're going to talk about uh, some of the, the, the movies uh, that are on Netflix that you can just queue up. And we're going to give you some reviews. Uh, so tomorrow we actually are set to talk about um, uh, Marvel. 
But also, in particular, what we're going to talk about is we're going to take a, a few minutes, well, not a few minutes because it's our show, but we're going to talk about how Netflix has changed uh, the film industry, right? They're quite, some, some of the folks' favorite shows right now are being produced on Netflix. Uh, we know uh, many folks uh, enjoyed House of Cards, um, think there's a new one. Well, it's not new. I think it's four seasons in. It's new to me right now. It's called Black Mirror, uh, which I'm just getting into. Uh, a colleague um, uh, here, as a matter of fact, was telling me about it, and I just got into it, and it's you know, it's, it's a pretty good it's a pretty good show. So that's going to be something that we're going to be doing um, twice a month. We'll be having that conversation. Uh, as you already know, you got introduced to the Friday Artist Profile where we have artists come in studio and we talk with them about their craft. Uh, they perform, and uh, we've had some, some great artists in, and we're looking forward to, uh, to even more uh, great artists in the Chicagoland area coming in, sitting down with us. And the last thing, the last new thing that we have in 2018, what's the last new thing? Am I, am I forgetting anything? No, nope, I don't. I don't. I don't think I am. But I will tell you this: if you all, if there's a particular uh, topic, or um, if there's a particular show or guest that you would like for us to uh, try to get on, send us uh, an email. Send us an email at producer at radioislam um, dot com, or send us a, uh, put, give us a message on Facebook, our Facebook Facebook page at radioislam, or or tweet us. But let us know what you think. Uh, make sure and do this for us, Radio Islam family. If you if you are following us, then share because why? Because sharing is caring, right? So make sure. <laughs> I just got a uh, I just got one of these looks. Aria looks over me. She just gave me this really corny look. <laughs> but uh, but it is. I'm, I'm going to stand by that. So if if you like what you're hearing, uh, share it, right? Uh, share with with somebody else and, and bring somebody else into the uh, into this wonderful Radio Slam family. Uh, if you heard the trains going by, you already know. Uh, if you're new to Radio Slam, then uh, I'll tell you we are downtown Chicago, right off of the brown, green, red, pink, whatever line. We're right off right off of that. So that's just a little bit of background music for you. Um, so, so that's it. That's that's what's going on in 2018. Hope everybody, whoever is making health, uh, any uh, New Year's resolutions. I'm not a big New Year's resolution person, uh, but I'm not going to hate on anybody that is trying to better themselves. So, if you made New Year's resolutions, hope they're going well for you. Uh, well for you. Um, I know that the gym is pretty packed right now. Uh, and it might not be right for me to say it, but yes, I am waiting for, I am waiting for the herd to thin, uh, so I don't have to wait to get on the elliptical. Um, but no, really, I hope that everybody, hope that the the new year is going off uh, well for you. Um, and that's enough yammering for me. So we're gonna get into um, our our next segment. When we come back, we're gonna be talking with Zara J. So just hang tight. We're gonna take a short break. You're listening to Radio Slam at WCV 1450 AM. My name is Sue Smith. 
I'm 38 and I work at a graphic design company. And the teenage me would tell you, I wouldn't be into drawing and art if it wasn't for Big Brothers Big Sisters. My big sister showed me early on that I could do anything. And to the young me, that meant a lot. My big sister's name is Sheila, and Sheila is the reason that this 8-year-old grows up to have an amazing job as a graphic designer. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. Foreclosure is hard on every member of the family, but your family is not alone. If you're struggling with your mortgage, there is help. To learn about the government's Making Home Affordable program, visit makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE to speak to a HUD-approved housing counselor. It's free of charge. Visit makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE today. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, NeighborWorks America, and the Ad Council. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. You're listening to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq Alami, and we are broadcasting at WCEV 1450 AM. We are reaching the world by streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. And remember, you can always catch us on the TuneIn app as well. Just uh, pull up WCEV. Uh, Folks, it's been an interesting night. We had a little technical difficulties earlier, but um, we are optimistic. Things are moving along very nicely. Uh, we are excited. This is, this. well, I'll tell you this. Uh, New Year's, people are looking to, to change things. Uh, they're looking to fill in the gaps. And I think uh, this segment, the, this, uh, the guest that we have on with us right now, uh, Zara J. she is the founder of a Muslim matchmaking site, the Black Muslim Single Society. Uh, and it started as a way to bring together men and women who are not only looking to meet other singles, but also want to build a bridge, um, build and bridge professional gaps within the black Muslim culture. Uh, the, society, the society serves as a web of opportunity to connect with various black Muslims in different industries, events, and information to directly improve black Muslim life. So we are pleased to welcome to Radio Islam, Zara J. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure, and uh, we're, we're happy to have you with us. So this is a, this is a really, um, this is an interesting, I shouldn't say interesting. Uh, first of all, it's a, I think, much needed, as I was just kind of looking at it. But tell the Radio Slam family, tell Radio Slam family uh, a bit about how, uh, how, how this came into being. Sure. So, um you know, just to make a long story short, it's, it's very simple. Um, I have been familiar with, uh, you know, with not just matchmaking, like introducing my friends to one another, but also um, just the industry and, you know, just a fan of the matchmaking industry. And um, I just got kind of frustrated and tired with hearing so many of my friends going through the same issues and a lot of the same struggles with trying to meet someone and being a convert. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that time, I was just a couple of years into uh, practicing Islam. It just baffled me how difficult it was for Muslims to meet to meet someone, you know, um, compared to non-Muslims. Like, why is it so difficult? And I started to realize that 
because we don't live in a Muslim society, in a Muslim environment, we have to make a greater effort um, into meeting each other, and we have to create environments. So that's why we created the matchmaking service and the events as well. Alhamdulillah, we're in our second year of business. Um, We're continuing to grow, you know, every single day. So it's a blessing um, as we're getting more recognition and spreading, and we've had several marriages. And, uh, you know, just slowly, you know, taking this tortoise appeal <laughs> to uh, success. So, uh, inshallah, you know, we'll continue to be a blessing to the woman. Yeah, inshallah. So what are some of the what are some of the, the challenges and some of the successes that you have encountered in the in these two years? Sure. Um, I think some of the challenges for the most part. Are, now, when you say challenges, do you mean from a matching side or from a business side? Wow, that that that's good. I was thinking just in terms of the matching, but if you want to talk about the business side, I, I you know we'd love to um, hear your thoughts on that as well. Sure. Um, well, from the matching side, um, some of the challenges comes into um, play when it's just trying to match people according to location can sometimes be a challenge. Um, you know, we work primarily with black Muslims. We do have some other, we have white, some white Muslims, uh, Bangladeshi Muslims, um, you know, some other cultures in our network. But for the most part, we work with the African diaspora. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the concept of relocating for love, I feel like it's still fairly new to most people. Um, and I don't necessarily think that it's the, the easiest option at all, but it's an option for many who are seriously open and willing. So trying to find enough people that are in um, the same location can be a challenge because we do prefer to match locally. Um, we have more success with those who um, are local matches, you know, in the same city or state. But um, for the most part, black Muslims remain on the East Coast in the Northeast region of the country. So from, I would say, about Virginia to New York, um, you know, that's really a big chunk of the black Muslim population. And then you have others that are spread out in other places. So if you have someone who lives in maybe uh, Sacramento, California, or uh, somewhere in Mississippi, or the middle, or maybe even maybe Illinois, but a small town in Illinois, you have people who live in these small, smaller, um, you know, regions. And uh, it can be a challenge matching them and finding someone that's going to either relocate to where they are or they'll have to relocate. So the location is a a big challenge for most people. Let me ask you, is that one of the things that um, uh, that that you present at the at the beginning of the process? Um, Do you find out who is willing to relocate? Yes, that's a part of their interview process. So we have a rep who, um, she does the interviews and builds the profiles for us. And one of the questions that she has to ask is, you know, are you willing to relocate? So we know, um, according to people's preferences, everyone has to go through a a 30-minute interview um, in order to even be in our network. They have to fill out an application, then they have to go through an interview, then they get their profile built. So it's a bit of a filtering system. It's a three-part process before we can even match anyone. Um, Once they go through their interview, we do have in our notes, you know, are they open to relocation? If they are open to relocation, then what areas are they open to relocating to? Because 
you know, if you live in D.C., you might be open to relocating to Virginia or maybe New Jersey, but you might not be open to relocating to Texas. Right. So we need to know all of these things so we don't waste your time or waste anyone else's time either. Right, right. Now, I, I was surprised to hear you say that, you don't, so you don't really have a lot of involvement from Chicago, huh? Um, you know what? We don't have any involvement from Chicago. I'm going to be honest with you. Wow. Um, we do have some people in, in the state of Illinois, mm-hmm. but not Chicago. Um, we have some, I can't even think of the, um, I think we're the south um, city. But as far as the major city goes, we're still trying to break into that Midwest market. Um, it's the Midwest is more of our struggle. We actually get a lot of people on the East Coast. We have people on the West Coast, and of course in the South. Mm-hmm. But the Midwest section of the country, we've been having a struggle with uh, building a connection with the the mid region. So yeah. you know, I, I love having this opportunity to be on your radio station. I know that you're uh, your uh, you know, you're you're out there in Chicago, but yeah, we have a we are having a hard time connecting with the Midwest. And so, some of the events that you do, uh, do your events? Do you travel with the events? Yes. Um, last year in 2017, we did Oakland, we did Atlanta, and we did Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2018, inshallah, we have planned for New Jersey. Um, Oakland again, we'll be doing uh, D.C. again, and uh, Detroit, inshallah. Okay, inshallah. Well, when you, I'll say, okay, Detroit is right down the road from us. So Yeah, Detroit will be our first Midwest <laughs> event. So okay, all right. We're kind of, we, we, we're looking forward to that one. We're a little nervous about it, but we're looking forward <laughs> We had to wait for the cold to pass, like, and we right. have to wait. Like, it's warm for Detroit. <laughs> well, well, once you once you get Detroit out the way, then uh, we're going to be looking for you to make your way f- uh, five hours over to Chicago. Uh, you know, we inshallah. can, yeah, inshallah. So, inshallah. Let, I mean, I would love to. We would love to go to Chicago. It's just been, uh, you know, just f- trying to figure out what, where are the Chicago Muslims, and how do we better connect with them yeah so we've been trying to make more of an effort to go out that way okay all right uh well let me ask this because we are we're in a time now where people uh, are able to project um build the, the person that they want to be we spend so much time on social media mm-hmm. um right and i know i mean i've heard i've heard stories from from other uh from other spaces is that how does honesty, I'm just point blank, how does, are, are people being honest about who they are? Um, I feel like with, with matchmaking with the network, I feel like we build a relationship with the people. Mm-hmm. So um, because we go through a filtering process and, um, you know, either me or one of my partners, I have two other women that I work with, mm-hmm. um, I feel like uh, I've gotten a pretty good grasp on listening and using discernment but because people are paying for a service i feel as though they um are a little bit more transparent yeah um with what they're looking for and who they are because it's a paid service and it's not free not only that but it's also um the issue of we we explain to them that you want to get matched upon you know we match you upon preferences Mm -hmm. And we interview every single person. So 
we can kind of listen to when someone, if someone says something that's like, okay, but you said this and, um, you know, let's dig a little bit deeper. So we try to dig a little bit deeper when we're asking people questions to really listen to what someone's saying. Um, but it's also the fact that when people are in front or across from the person that they really want, they're more likely to tell a story. Mm. But they don't have to tell us a lie. Like, there's no reason for them to lie to us right. about who they are, what they're looking for. Um, that kind of defeats the purpose because we're going to match them according to their values and, you know, their interests and things of that sort. So I feel as though because they're coming to us and they're talking to us and not directly to a potential match, that they're less likely to try to portray themselves to be a particular way because, you know, it's, it's like chatting with your friend about what you're looking for. You're less likely to, chat, to uh, you know, make up a story to your friend than you are to the person that you actually want to desperately marry and you need to fit into that mold for them. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel we haven't really had any issues with uh, transparency. Okay, well, that's great. And, okay. and I was... Um, I'm I'm happy to hear this this vetting, right? Because we know that uh, I mean I, I've been I've been off the, the the shelf I guess on the shelf I don't know for almost 18 years, 18 years <laughs> April now right? So I don't really know what's going on out there. Uh, <laughs> I just I just read some I read the post and I'm just thinking like yeah. wow it's this is this is some wild stuff. Um, well, you know, just, and I'm sorry to cut you off, no, no, go ahead. but um. A really, we posted a really great blog this weekend. Inshallah, um, anyone who's listening can go to blackmuslimsinglesociety.com and check out some of our blogs or follow us on social media and subscribe to the email list. But um, we posted a really great blog this week, and I hope that a lot of people will read the blog and we've gotten some positive feedback from it. But it actually spoke to this issue of deception. Mm. Um, and I was, I was motivated um, partly through a conversation that I was having with someone else about you know, explaining to them why I believe that this, that this deception goes on. But also, um, I started to notice in a lot of my very close friendships, um, this issue of feeling as though um, they have been deceived mm. upon marriage, um, in new marriages, either uh, in courtships or in marriages. You know, they get married rather quickly. Then... Um, you know, six months, a year, year and a half into the marriage, they start to feel as though um, they were deceived and they didn't marry the person that they thought they were marrying. And I started to realize that I believe that part of um, this issue comes from a lack of vulnerability. Um, in, in the beginning of the courtships of of these relationships, and I feel as though that's a problem um, that we see in the Uma, a lack of vulnerability when men and women are connecting. So because um, there's this desire to be a certain way or to be this, you know, super pious Muslim or to not show your flaws or the scarcity impact of believing that if you don't obtain this person, you might not get another chance. So you're not going to ask certain questions. You're not going to be vulnerable and you're not going to invite vulnerability because you're so afraid of what the outcome is. And it's just that the fear of losing something that you don't even have. So... Um, that lack of vulnerability, I believe, um, really is what ends up developing into what can be viewed as deception in a new marriage. Um, and this is just my theory, and my, I, we elaborated way more uh, on the blog, but I think that 
um, for anyone who would be interested in checking out that blog, you can just go to Black Muslim Single Society. It's one of the newest blogs that's been posted on our page, and I think that it gives a lot of insight um, to this issue and how to get around it. Mm. So is is that the piece um, about courtship? Um, the major key, yeah. course, yes, that one, yes. Okay, I actually just pulled it up. So Radio Islam family, you will actually find, uh, you will find that right on Radio Islam's Facebook page. Uh, so oh, we just you. shared that so uh, folks can take a look at it. Uh, yeah, I think that that is a critical, that is a critical element, uh, this idea of being honest and putting on a different face. And that's that's really what, uh, I think that's one of the the. the the downfalls or it just kind of comes along with this uh, it comes along with the territory of social media where you can really just craft the image of who you want who you want to be right so and and it's hard for muslims um you know it's hard for american muslims to figure out this balance of courtship and culture Mm. you know so we have american culture and then for you know african-american jews Black culture, or you have whatever group you belong to ethnically, um, you know, and then you have Islam and trying to figure out the crossroads of how that all comes together for marriage or for dating and relationships is very confusing, especially with the younger generations. We get a lot of under 40 mm-hmm. Muslims or under 45 Muslims primarily. Our base is between 25 to 45. Mm-hmm. So for that group, um, you know, it's very complicated and confusing how they're supposed to navigate all this in a way that makes them feel comfortable and also still um, adheres to the dean. Right. So um, I think that we need a lot more practical advice mm-hmm. and practical guidance, and that might not necessarily come from religious leaders. Right. Um, I think that, that we have to start implementing a lot more um uh, you know, whether they're their relationship uh, therapists or coaches or whoever it is to try to guide people and help bridge their gap on how to move forward. Because it's a challenge for, for most um, young American Muslims. You know, I, I'll share this. And I see I see black Muslim single society very much as a as a Wali, uh, as a protector. Um, mm. And. Uh, I recall myself, my wife and I, we got married after two weeks, but we were a part of a group. Mashallah. Yeah, yeah, it was only a lot, <laughs> right? <laughs> but we were part of this group that got together, a group of, at the time, young people. <laughs> and okay, we would, so you guys are in the same city? Yeah, we were in the same city. Okay. And the group served as our Wali, right? So we all went yeah. out to eat together. Uh, and, yeah. And, and when I hear about the... You know the the events that you do, where you're able were able to bring people together. These are these are concerns. You know, how do you navigate those things? Um, right. You know, and right. It, and it well, can't... the events, alhamdulillah, mm-hmm. like the events, I feel as though um, they've been such a blessing. And my favorite part about the events is just seeing how the smile and the enthusiasm on everyone's faces when they leave the events. Like it, it's just a it's such a good feeling for me. Um, to see my brothers and my sisters like come together and they're smiling and they're happy and they feel good leaving these events because everyone comes in super nervous and uncomfortable. So right. <laughs> to see them leaving and to enjoy it and asking when's the next one and looking forward because we do, um, we send out emails to let them know if anyone was interested in them from the event. So um, 
it, it, there aren't a lot of spaces where single men and women get to actually interact. Like we just don't have those spaces for them. Right. So, um, you know, it's a blessing. So like the group that you said you and your wife was in, when you guys actually had an opportunity to interact, mm-hmm. we need more of that. And there's just not enough of that going on. Yeah. Let me ask you this other element of, of that that's incorporated uh, within black Muslim single society. Uh, and mm-hmm. that is, says um, the, the, the goal is also to uh, build and bridge professional gaps within the black mm-hmm. Muslim culture. So, mm-hmm. so people are able to take part uh, in the services. Um, uh, so everybody is not necessarily looking for a wife, but maybe looking for, t- for professional advancement. Is, is that, or networking? Is well, that- um, I would say definitely looking for marriage. Um, I think everyone that comes to looking for marriage, but we bridge gaps. One because it can be very hard for um, both some black Muslim professionals. I mean, just about everyone we deal with um, some type of professional, whatever business or industry that is, mm-hmm. and um, it's very hard for Muslims who are just out in the workforce um, every day in corporate environments or whatever environment they're in to come across other Muslims. Um, you know, for for marriage, um, it can be very hard for them to find someone based upon education or career um, or just whatever family needs that they have. So uh, we definitely help to bridge that gap because, you know, alhamdulillah, I can honestly say that um, not that this is what defines people, but we've been able to bring in like an amazing group of young black Muslims. It amazes me sometimes. To, to come across people like, wow, you're a scientist, or this person's a software developer, or um, all different types of fields. You know, this person, they're an engineer for FEMA, or mm. um, people that we just don't even utilize or realize that we have such a plethora of black Muslims um, that that are educated and intelligent and hardworking and, 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 and doing so many amazing things. And to be able to bring those people together um, is awesome and amazing. On top of that, with our events, um, for men and women, it gives them the opportunity to meet brothers and sisters that they may never have met. So it gives them opportunity to exchange contact information. You know, the women um, have the opportunity to chat. The men have the opportunity to chat. Uh, we received an email from someone who attended an Atlanta event, and they said that they met more brothers and sisters in that one night than they had met in five years of being Muslim. Wow. So it, it definitely um, opens up the opportunity to conversation and to dialogue in a relaxed environment that people just typically don't have an opportunity to enjoy. Okay. Do you see uh, Black Muslim Single Society as uh, the, the term, I guess that's been in circulation for, for some years now, as a third space? Um, you know, it's it's outside of the mass it doesn't have a uh, it's not grounded in, in any, any physical yeah. space but it mm-hmm. is but it's serving a particular purpose um, but it but mm-hmm. it's yeah yeah what, what do you what do you think on that so you said a third base I haven't heard that term before but no no um, uh, third third space a third space okay yeah. um, definitely I see it as a third space um, honestly we intentionally try to avoid um, the mass when it comes to um, events Mm-hmm. We don't do events that match it. Um, you know, we, of course, we love to match it, but <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just because we try to make the environments comfortable um, 
for men and women, and we want people to be able to be themselves. And we know that that's not very easy in a religious setting. Um, we also try to appeal to the younger demographic, and we understand that for Muslims, you know, if they come to one of our events, that might be the only time that they've been able to get dressed and have a fun night out in probably months. Um, and when it comes to having being able to get out and have a fun night with the Uma, that might have been their only opportunity that whole entire year. So we really like to give them um, a night out. So that's why we try to stick to venues that are art galleries or restaurants or somewhere that's a little bit more entertaining um, that gives people that sense of feeling that still identifies with their American culture and not just their Islamic culture. Okay. Uh, do you have do you have um, people who have signed up that are not uh, African American? They're not black. They're not part of a black um, diaspora, uh, but they are yeah. looking for, you know, they're looking for African, a, yep, a yeah. black Muslim, whatever type of black Muslim that is. Yeah, um, yeah sure, we ha- we do. We have, like I said, we have some white Muslims. We have, I know, we have Bangladeshi. Um, those are those are the only two cultures that I can. Re- re- Remember offhand. I mean, right. we have all different kinds of black Muslims, um, you know, as far as the diaspora goes from Caribbean to Nigerian to Eritrean, Senegalese, uh, Sri Lankan. Like, we have all different types of black Muslims, but, um, when it, but we also have a few other cultures as well who either they've been married in the past to a black Muslim or they just feel like they're more comfortable uh, with the black community. So we, we do have others who aren't um, black. Okay. Black Muslim. <laughs> <All right. laughs> now, this is something, uh, uh, and I hope, I hope I'm not asking something that's outside the, the purview. Um, is, are, are, you do, are you doing this, uh, operating this full time? Oh, yeah. This is, this is all that I do. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> Everything goes into Black Muslim Single Society, wow, um, whether it is um, you know, apparel or, you know, merchandising. Now we've, we've been breaking more into merchandising, event planning, um, membership, all of that. It takes a lot to run everything. Um, we now, we have, we're a three-person team now, so I have an assistant who does handles just interviews and um, interviews and profiles, and then as someone who handles events. So we just collectively work together and try to manage everything. And <laughs> inshallah, we'll be growing probably to a four or five person team by the end of 2017. Wow. Inshallah. That's, that's wonderful. That is wonderful inshallah. to hear that. Uh, so where, once again, where can, um, where can the Radio Islam family find Black Muslim Single Society at? We are Black Muslim Single Society on everything. We are <laughs> Black Muslim Single Society dot com, Black Muslim Single Society on Instagram, and we also have Black Muslim Single Socials on Instagram, which just for our event page, um, we are Black Muslim Single Society on Facebook. So you can um, find us on any of those avenues on Facebook, Instagram, or on our main website. Okay. All right. Awesome. I thank you so much for taking the time to talk with the Radio Islam family. And I must say, because, all right, you know, I, I, hopefully we can get you back on again and, and maybe get okay. you on for the, whole, for, the whole, uh, for the whole show. Because I didn't get to ask you about, you're also an author. Yes. <laughs> yes. And 
My, yeah. my, my, my middle daughter, I've got three girls. My middle daughter, she, uh, she loves you. So, oh, <laughs> yeah. so <laughs> thank uh, you so much. Yeah. She'll definitely get a big kick out of, uh, when I tell her who I, I spoke to tonight. <laughs> now, she, she read Diary Davis. I'm she guessing. did. She did. Yes. Well, you'll have to send me your information so I can send her a signed copy, a signed book so she can have that. Oh, I, I certainly will. She will. She will definitely appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, oh, no problem. Yes. So, uh, okay. inshallah, may Allah continue to bless you uh, and, and uh, Black okay. Muslim Single Society and all the work that you're doing. Uh, keep cranking out those marriages. And uh, <laughs> hopefully we look forward to you getting uh, making you all's way to Chicago. Inshallah. Thank you so much for having me tonight. Right. You're definitely welcome. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> all right, Radio Islam family. That was Zara J. Uh, she's the founder of the Muslim matchmaking site, the Black Muslim Single Society. And um, we did share her, uh, that blog, uh, that blog post. It's on, our, it's on Radio Islam's Facebook, Facebook page. Uh, and we have come once again to the end of another wonderful evening. I think we kind of started off a little rocky, but things worked their way out. So we want to thank our engineer over at WCEV, Leonard. Thank you very much. I think you, Lee were there last night, Leonard. All right, hardworking man. Thank you so much, Linda. All right, our engineer in studio, the impressive one, Ibrahim Beg. I'm your host and producer, Tariq Alameen. Your executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. Uh, the words, uh, the views that have been expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and not to be taken as a position of Sound Vision Inc. We look forward to talking to you all tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, it's going to be, uh, it's movie night with Bubba Murray. So we're going to be having a good conversation about some Netflix and all that good stuff. So until then, I'm going to leave you as I greeted you all. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.